Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Got a spicy Q&A episode for you today. All questions submitted via my Instagram that you wanted answers to. Talking today about what if you're a person who has a lot of weight to lose and you thinking about getting new clothing options, but you're also thinking about money and you're just not sure what to do, we kind of talk through options there. Talking about what if you're entering perimenopause and you have a lot of weight to lose, what's my best advice? Talking building quads today, rep ranges, how best to get really nice looking legs. Got a question about working out in perimenopause with joint pain, what to do there. I know that is a common, common struggle for a lot of people. We're talking about consistency. You start off really strong, but then the wheels come off the bus. How to stop that pattern and a bunch more questions as well. Now, before we jump into the episode, I have a big announcement for you. First time ever, I am doing a Black Friday sale. Very excited to announce it's going to be 50% off, friend, 50% off my course Fitter by the Day. If you're not familiar with Fitter by the Day, It is a powerful course I built last year. A lot of women have been through it and is a great starting point. If you're somebody and you're feeling overwhelmed with the idea of weight loss, if you're worried about holiday weight gain, if you're just not happy with where you're at with your body, with your health habits, this is a self-guided program. It's going to walk you step by step. It's going to be like, I am right there with you over 30 days and you're going to go from where you are now to being a person who moves every day, who eats a lot of protein, 100 grams of protein a day, and a person who eats their food mindfully. Can you imagine like sitting down to a table and really focusing on your food, enjoying that eating experience and being really tuned into how much you're eating and what an impact that can have on your weight loss bottom line. These are the three habits we tackle together in Fitter by the Day and you're going to be able to get your hands on it Black Friday for an incredible deal. Watch out for more details about that. You don't want to miss it. All right, let's dive into the episode. Well, hello, hello, friend. Excited to be with you and do a Q&A today. Such fantastic questions you all asked. The better the questions, the better the episodes, and you guys came through. Um, So I'm going to jump into that in just a second. Before I do, little update. A lot of you have been following along with my See If I Can Learn to Be a Person Who Likes Running journey. It has been a ride. It is 10 weeks now from when I started. 10 weeks ago, I set out to see, can I be a person who likes running after a lifetime of saying, I hate running and I'm not a runner. And this Saturday, so 48 hours from now, I'm doing my first 5K and I could not be more excited. It has been a great experience. It did not take long at all. Actually, the first workout, which was literally, I think it was running one minute um, intervals, like walk one, walk one minute, run one, one, run one, one, (laughs) walk one, run one. Um, I've been enjoying this. Um, As you can tell, uh, I'm a little under the weather. I'm hoping I'm not going to be coughing too much through this. I've got my big cup of tea here. So I'm a little bit bummed by that that wrench in the plans. The Rocky Run 5K in downtown Philadelphia is this Saturday morning, 7 a.m. And this morning, Thursday, I woke up with a cold. Mm. That was not in the plans. But as so much of life goes, um, I'm just going to roll with it. It It is what it is. 
I'm excited to go out and just run the full 5K. The most I've run so far has been about two and a half miles. A 5K is 3.1 miles. Um, I've been really happy with how that's been going, how that's been feeling. And I'm excited to be a part of the crowd doing this on Friday. I will keep you posted on how it goes. Here's hoping I'm not too sick. I'm definitely doing it. No matter how sick I am, I'm doing it. Like I would have to be vomiting to, to not go. Um, and I don't think that I'm that kind of sick. I think I'm just like, uh, have a bit of a cold kind of sick. So it's on no matter what. All right, let's jump into these questions. The first question is from Amy Joe, And her question is, if women have a large amount of weight to lose, we think about clothing options and money. Can you discuss options? <clears throat> I love this question. I think it is a topic worthy of discussion. Before we talk about the practicalities from the financial perspective and some suggestions there, which I do have for you, let's talk about the impact of wearing ill-fitting clothes on your ability to successfully lose weight. I want you to think for a minute, when you hate how you look, how does that impact your choices? Are you more or less likely to go for a walk, go to the gym, prep a healthy meal? If you feel uncomfortable with how you look, with how your clothes are fitting you, you know, contrast that with the time when you did feel your best. Like maybe you did get a cute new matching set or even like you were just having a good hair day. How much more likely are we to be like, okay, yeah, I'm heading out in public or I'm getting up off the sofa if we're feeling good about ourselves versus when we're feeling really down about ourselves. Ill-fitting clothes are a constant reminder that you are not the person you want to be. If you're like, well, yeah, that should inspire me to like lose the weight already. Slow your roll. Being able to picture yourself as the version of you that you want to be has a much more positive impact on your results than shame does. Do you get that? Being able to envision yourself having the habits, the routines, and the lifestyle of fitter you is so helpful in becoming that person. Bras that pinch, pants that are so tight they make it hard to breathe, 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 shirts that ride up. These are reminders of where you are now, not where you are heading. And we want you to be focused on that person that you're heading to be. Not to mention, it is stressful to be worried about your clothing. It is taking needed mental and emotional energy and focus away from you working on your goals. So get clothes that fit. Get two well-fitting bras. Get underwear that fit. Get a pair or two of jeans that fit. Get workout clothes that fit and that you feel your best in. I know from both a personal perspective, as well as someone who has coached thousands of women, that the pull to wait till you get to your goal weight to spend money on clothes is big. Do not give into that mentality. It's not a winning strategy. Feel your best, perform your best. Get some clothes that fit you, ladies. Do not walk around with a too small bra. Do not walk around with tight undies. Get some clothes that fit. All right, so now let's talk practically. Let's talk money. Now, I know that for some of you, money is not a huge stumbling block. In fact, the person who wrote this question said like, look, I'm okay as far as money goes, but I am a person who's losing a lot of weight. And I think about other people who don't have the money I have. So for some of you, money is not necessarily a huge stumbling block. Like you have the money, 
you're just holding on to that thought that it's better to wait until I've lost this weight. I want you to push back on that thought. Question it. Remind your brain of the things I just told you today about focusing on that future you, about every time that those pants are pinching you, that it's a reminder that you're not that person. Let's get you feeling good in your clothes, okay? Now, for those of you who are like, nope, money, that's a big issue. Like, I don't want to have to get new clothes now and then get new clothes 20 pounds down. I understand, I understand that that can be really difficult. One of the most positive fashion trends that I have seen in recent years is that the cool factor of thrifting clothes has skyrocketed. Like when I was younger, it was an embarrassing thing to go to a thrift store. Like I didn't even want to go to a Kmart, let alone a thrift store. That was not like a cool thing to be doing. But now it is all the rage. My teenage daughter and her friends prefer it. They prefer going thrift shopping to going to the mall. They think they find better stuff. They think it's cool. They think it's fun to put those things together. She was just, just this week, literally like three days ago, she had a day off school and her and her friends, they went out to lunch and they went thrifting and she bought five sweaters for $25. Five. She bought five sweaters for $25. Go thrifting. As you lose weight and you get too small for the things that you've bought, you can give them back to the thrift store or possibly even sell them and get more money for them. So obviously things like underwear, you're going to want to buy new but, you know, other clothes, go to the thrift store, find the jeans, find the tops, find the dresses that you feel good in, get them for a really great deal. Like I said, my daughter bought five sweaters for $25. That's five bucks a sweater. All right. And then second, there is a brand that is well-priced that is designed to be size fluid. I literally only know one brand that is built on this concept. And after I heard about it, I searched for others. Just the other day, actually, when this question came up, I was like, I wonder, are there any other brands that do this? So I could recommend several. I couldn't find any. And I want to be really clear, I am in no way connected with this brand. Like this brand does not know I exist. I, I just, I don't know them. I just happen to follow the founder on social media. She makes like lifestyle content, Taylor Swift content. And two years ago, she started a company that specializes in size fluid clothing basics. Clothes are intended to fit you when they make them, whether you go up a size or if you go down a size. So it says it's a certain size, like maybe it says it's a an extra large, but that extra large can go down a size to be a large or up a size to be a 2XL. You see what I'm saying? So they design these clothes to fit you as you shift sizes. The clothes are cute. Like they look classy. They look comfy. So check them out. Their name is Body Love Basics. It's all one. If you go to Instagram and you look at their Instagram account or you look for their website, that's all one word. Body Love Basics. Definitely check that out. They're the kind of company where they do launches. It's not like they have a whole line available at all time, but they'll like launch certain products. Um, really cute stuff. So I would say that's a good option as well, but definitely consider that thrifting option. The main thing I really want you to come back to is that it is going to help you more to be successful in your in your weight loss goal, to feel good about the clothes you are currently wearing, then it's going to help you. If you're like stuck on this idea of like, I'm just going to live in these too tight jeans until I deserve to get new ones when I've lost X amount of pounds, it is not the winning strategy that you think it is. You deserve to feel good in your clothes. And in fact, having well-fitting clothes is going to aid you in reaching your goal. All right. 
Next question. This question is from GML underscore 22. And she wants to know what are the best exercises to build quads? What rep ranges, what depths of squat? So squat and lunge variations where you have a more upright versus a forward torso angle and a greater forward shin angle as compared to a more vertical shin are going to be more quad focused. Okay. So imagine you're squatting. Actually, I want you to get up and try this now. Try this as you're listening. Set up for just like a body weight squat. I want you to have <clears throat> a more forward lean to your torso and keep your shins quite vertical. Okay. When you do that, when you have that more forward lean, okay, and your shins are really very up and down, this is more of a hip or glute dominant squat. So try that again. Set up for your body weight squat. Keep yourself lean, have a very uh, forward lean, purposeful forward lean. Have your shins be very vertical. So up and down, not a lot of knee going over your toe for this version. This is more a hip dominant, a glute dominant squat. If you're looking for a more quad dominant squat, like this person asked for, you're going to try it this way. So set up again. This time, instead of having a more forward lean to your torso, be more upright. Now, I don't want you to be completely straight up and down, like ramrod straight. That can tend to you hyperextending your back. <coughs> Excuse me. But be pretty darn upright. And now for this squat, which is going to be more quad dominant, I want you to think about driving your knees forward over your toes. We want to have a shin angle that is greater. Okay, We want to have more knee flexion. To do this well, it helps to elevate your heels. So you could lay two five-pound plates on the ground and place the heel of each foot on one of those plates. You can buy squat wedges to do this. I personally do like using the wedges because I like having my full foot on the wedge. I feel like I can generate more force when my full foot is flat on that wedge versus having my heel up on a plate, but either will do. As you squat with your heels elevated, thinking about having your knees come out over your toes, okay, keep those heels down to keep your knees um, healthy, Keep your push your knees over your toes and have a more upright torso position. This is going to help you have it more quad-based, okay, more quad-biased. And you can use the same idea of shin angle, biasing either your quads or your glutes one more than the other. You can use this with a leg press as well. So to get more of a quad-focused leg press, you're going to place your feet at the very bottom of the plate. And when you bend your legs, you're going to have a lot of knee flexion with your legs positioned down at the bottom of that plate, fairly close together. It doesn't have to be like a super narrow stance, but a more narrow stance. At the bottom of that plate, you're going to have a lot of knee flexion, okay? High degree of knee flexion is what we're looking for for quad-focused squats, lunges, and leg presses. You can do that heel-elevated squat. You can do that as a split squat. You can do Bulgarian um, split squats with a more forward lean. Um, you can do forward lunges, heel elevated goblet squats, back squats, front squats, landmine squats, any of those with that heel um, heel elevation, that leg press variation I talked about where your legs are down at the, your feet are down at the bottom of the plate. Um, leg extension variations are great to hit your quads. Um, you can do the standard variation. You can do leg extensions with a slow eccentric. So where the lowering, you know, you take three, four seconds to get down. You can do one and a half rep leg extensions. You can do constant tension 
uh, leg extension. So all kinds of leg extension variations. Um, and I would do a mix of those exercises I just talked about there. So we, you know, definitely doing some of those leg extensions, um, as an isolation movement, but also doing those heavier lifts, the squats and the lunges, the leg presses, as far as rep range, you can build muscle in all rep ranges. The key is to work close to failure and get enough volume. The most efficient way to do that is when most of your sets are in the six to 12 rep range. Okay, so getting most of your sets in the six to 12 rep range and working close to failure. When you get to the end of each set, you should feel like you could do one or two more reps. If you could do more than that, three, four, five, six more reps, you're not working close enough to failure. Can you do lower reps than six? Absolutely. And I actually like some of that for strength. So sets of three to five reps. Can you do some higher reps? Sure. You can work for a, a bit of your sets in that 12 to 15 rep range, as long as, again, you're going close to failure. You're going to get the most bang for your buck if you spend most of your time in that six to 12 rep range. Good luck. Let me know how that goes. All right. Next question here. This is from Tiff's Whole Journey. Hi, Tiff. And she wants to know, what is my best advice for someone entering perimenopause with a lot of weight to lose? This is a great question. Um, and it's one I get a lot. I work with a lot of women who are in perimenopause and they have a lot of weight they want to lose. The most important thing that I will start with is understanding that the principles of weight loss don't change just because you're in perimenopause or menopause. The principles of weight loss stay the same. You still need a calorie deficit. It will still work for you. That is the, that is the um, principle that weight loss hinges on. If you stay in a sustained calorie deficit, you will lose weight. If you do not stay in a sustained calorie deficit, you will not lose weight. Now, how menopause really impacts this is it can make staying in a consistent def deficit harder. And that is because you have more hurdles. This is an important thing to note. As a woman in perimenopause, I'm not going to say you do have, but you likely have more hurdles. You may have more hurdles. We are, can be very symptomatic in perimenopause. Not everyone is. There are some women, they just breeze through. But for a lot of women, um, and since you're asking this question, I'm going to guess that you're having some kind of symptoms. Um, the key is going to be managing those hurdles so they do not get in the way of you being in that sustained calorie deficit. So your hurdles could vary. I mean, and you likely have a mix. Maybe you're dealing thing with things like um, joint pain, lack of sleep because of insomnia or lack of sleep due to hot flashes. You're dealing with increased um, depression, anxiety. Um, you're struggling with things like vertigo or um, brain fog. The list is long. There are dozens and dozens of possible symptoms. And so getting a good handle on what symptoms you're having, how those might be impacting your weight loss. Look, if you're not sleeping, there's a good chance that you're struggling to stay in your deficit. And it's not because sleep turns on some imaginary switch, like that flips some switch so that now you can't lose weight. That's not true. But what does happen when we're low on sleep is that we can have an increase in our cravings. We can have a decrease in how much we are moving naturally. Um, and it can impact our ability to want to do things like go work hard at the gym 
or prep our healthy meal. We're more like, I'm going to sit here on this couch and I'm going to eat my bowl of cereal. And so we want to look at what hurdles you're having and how can we manage those hurdles? Do you need to see your doctor about some type of medication? Do we need better plans in place to help set yourself up for success? If you know you're extra tired, what can we do to help you top load your day with um, protein and movement? So we want to look at those hurdles. The third thing I'll say as far as best advice for someone entering perimenopause with a lot of weight to lose is to start looking at weight loss from a long-term behavior change standpoint. If you're a woman who's in perimenopause or menopause right now, we were raised in a similar generation and you've seen a lot of crash diets in your time. How many you've participated in obviously is going to vary from person to person, but you've certainly been steeped in that mentality, right? Biggest loser. We all saw it on TV. And if we didn't watch the show, you saw the books, you saw the DVDs, you saw the, the magazine articles and the news articles. And it seemed to become like <clears throat> common knowledge that you should be losing you know, really fast amounts of weight, that this was not only um, possible, that it was preferable and you should do it. Um, and so the idea of fast weight at all, fast weight loss at all costs was really kind of drilled into us. Instead, looking at weight loss through the lens of long-term behavior change is going to serve you very well. What do I mean by this? I'm not saying you have to have a super slow rate of weight loss to be successful because that's not true. Um, depending on the woman that I work with, I can place her in a more aggressive calorie deficit, which leads to faster weight loss, or um, a more moderate calorie deficit, which is going to lead to a little bit slower weight loss. And it really depends on lots of factors. One being, how much weight does she have to lose? If she is a person who has a lot of weight to lose, like you're saying, putting that person in a more um, aggressive deficit could absolutely be appropriate. You know, I've worked with some women. I was just talking to one of my clients today who joined Fitter After 40 um, in the spring. And actually before that, this time last year, she signed up for my Fitter by the Day course. Um, and that's how she started working with me to lose weight. She's lost 70 pounds now. That's a very fast rate of weight loss, but she still has 40 more pounds she wants to lose. So she had a lot of weight to lose. So a more aggressive deficit can be appropriate. But at the same time, whether you're in a more moderate deficit or a steeper deficit, still looking at your behaviors that you're changing, things like becoming a person who moves daily, um, becoming a person who eats more protein, becoming a person who chooses activities to do on the weekend that aren't fully focused on food, finding ways to move your body that you enjoy. So this particular woman I was just talking about, her name is Rhonda, like she started going on hikes with her family, which is not something she typically did. So looking at this as how am I going to permanently, this is the key ladies, permanently shift my behavior so that I'm becoming a different type of person. I'm becoming a person who um, eats mindfully, and because it's not about just how many calories I'm eating, though that's clearly important, but we're working on fundamentally shifting our behaviors and our routines. Um, and that is the best advice that I would give to you. I hope that that helps. And let me know. Let me know how it's going. All right. Next up is Just Me Cece. And her question is, Working out with joint pain and perimenopause is now my biggest symptom. Not so much of a question, but I think she's saying like, help, <laughs> I have joint pain and perimenopause. Um, so 
Cece, you are not alone. In fact, more than 50% of women in menopause experience joint pain. And you might be like, great. So what do I do about it? I'm in pain and a lot of other women are too, but what do I do? So one thing that might feel kind of counterintuitive is that movement can actually help. You might feel so inclined to just like sit on the couch, lay in your bed because, you know, you're feeling pretty achy, but doing that actually isn't helping. Get those joints moving, get that synovial fluid lubricating them, move them through a full range of motion. You don't have to go fast. You don't have to go hard, but move. So that's the first piece of advice I'm going to give you is to move, move some every day, work those joints through a full range of motion. And then think about strengthening your joints with strength training. So we want to strengthen those joints. We want to move them. We want to increase your range of motion with mobility training. This can be a big piece of the puzzle. So doing some mobility training. And then from a supplement perspective, look into collagen. There is some evidence that it can help support joint health. Uh, it's not a guarantee, but there is some evidence that collagen can help with that. So getting a collagen supplement. Now, ladies, if you just listen to everything I said, and the first thing you do is just go get a collagen supplement, you're not listening closely enough. I'm saying it might help, and I think it's worth looking into, giving it a try, but I want you to do that in combination with moving more, strengthening your joints with strength training, and increasing your range of motion by working on your mobility. That was a good plan for attacking this joint pain. I hope that helps, Cece. All right, next question. This one is from Stace to the rescue. And Stace would like to know, what are some tips for doing a bulk to get stronger without gaining too much fat? So this is an interesting question because a bulk actually is not necessary to get stronger. You might be thinking in terms of what's optimal for building muscle. And that would be a slight surplus, surplus also known as a bulk. Right. So you could a surplus or a bulk, same kind of thing. So to optimally build muscle, a slight surplus is optimal. It doesn't have to be a big one, but going into a surplus is going to be ideal for muscle hypertrophy. That's a fancy word for muscle building. But muscle strength and muscle growth are not exactly the same. You can get stronger without getting bigger. You hear that? So you can go into a slight surplus if muscle building, muscle growth is your goal. Going into a slight surplus of 100 to 250 calories per day can help you to maximally build muscle. And you can do that while you're increasing strength. So you can be working on strength and muscle building at the same time. But you don't have to be in this optimal state for muscle hypertrophy to build strength. You could alternatively eat at maintenance so eating at your maintenance calories while focusing on getting stronger, okay? So a deficit is not optimal for either building muscle or getting stronger. Can you do both of those things in a deficit? Absolutely you can. And I've trained hundreds and hundreds, actually more than hundreds, probably thousands of women at this time to do that exact thing. You get stronger, you build muscle while you're in a deficit. Is that the optimal way to get stronger? Is that the optimal way to build muscle? It is not. It's from a nutrition perspective, if maximum muscle building is your goal, you want to be in a slight surplus. To get stronger, it is optimal to at least be at 
maintenance. Like if your main goal is to get stronger, we'd want you to at least be at maintenance. You do not have to be in a surplus to get stronger, but we do want to have you fed um, at least at maintenance. Let's talk more about strength as your goal. What are some tips for getting stronger? You want to have some of your training be in the three to five rep range for your bigger lifts, for squat variations, deadlifts, hip thrusts, and bench press for sure. We definitely want to see some of your work in that three to five rep range. Then we want to have some accessory lifts in the six to eight rep range, and then some isolation exercises in the 10 to 12 rep range. You want to make sure you're getting enough sleep. This is really important so that you can train hard in the gym. We want you to have that recovery. You want to take full rest days. You want to rest between sets. Trying to get stronger while you're taking minimal rest, not ideal. So we're looking at two minute plus reps for reps, rest periods for your lifts. So looking to rest at least two minutes. It's really going to help with that um, strength piece there getting plenty of sleep, getting adequate protein. And then as far as from a supplement perspective, taking creatine, this can absolutely help with performance. So taking five grams of creatine daily. And when I say daily, I do mean whether it's a training day or a non-training day, we want to maximally saturate your creatine stores. And so you're going to take that creatine, whether it's a training day or a non-training day. And that is my best advice for you to get stronger without gaining too much fat. When you go, if you decide to go into a surplus to work on building muscle, some fat gain may come along with that. It will come along with that, but you can mitigate that by being in a slight surplus. You don't need to be in a gigantic bulk, really 100 to 250 calories above your maintenance range um, is going to be helpful for you to gain muscle without gaining too much fat. So work on getting stronger by training hard, working in those lower rep ranges, getting enough rest and recovery, and feeding yourself at least at maintenance. All right, we are down to the last question I'm going to cover today. This one is from Mary Beth Coyne. She would like some tips for consistency. Mary Beth says, I start off strong, but the wheels slowly come off the bus over time. Mary Beth, you are not alone there. I want you to consider a few things. Number one, what does starting strong look like for you? Like really get clear on what does starting strong look like? And also what is happening when you say the wheels come off? What exactly does that look like? What do the wheels coming off entail? And then I want to illustrate for you some common mistakes I see. And let's see if you what you're experiencing matches up. I'm going to bet that it does match up with at least some of this. The first thing is looking at the reason why you are trying to lose weight in the first place. Like I want you to really spend some time figuring out why you want to lose weight. How will your life be better? Specifically, like how will it be better? What will you be able to do that you can't do now? How would you want to feel? Why are those things important to you? Having um, a the ability to continue on for a sustained period of time in a deficit requires a really strong why. So consider what that why is. And then this idea of starting off strong, does that look like crash diets, keto, whole 30, a no missed days kind of mentality? 
if you're like, well, yeah, like I get going and I'm like, no, definitely not making any missteps here. I'm going to suggest that you really embrace the idea of fundamentally changing your lifestyle and your behaviors permanently, which means that's balls to the wall kind of philosophy where everything has to go just so is not going to fly for very long because how long can you keep that up? Like how long can you do whole 30? Are you eventually going to want to have a slice of birthday cake? This idea that no missed days is necessary for consistency is actually not correct. In actuality, consistency is continuing on whether it's an unbroken chain or not. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can still be consistent even in moments where you're having a non-perfect meal. Let's say you overeat on a Wednesday evening and you go to bed, you get up Thursday morning and then you have your regular breakfast. It doesn't mean that you were inconsistent. Inconsistency comes from these periods where you're like, well, screw it. I, I stepped, I went off track on Wednesday and then you give up trying for some number of weeks or months. That's that inconsistency. If you can embrace this idea that not eating on plan or missing a workout or missing your walk is okay and it's fine and you just keep moving on, that is when you actually become consistent. I want you to ask yourself, what story are you telling yourself when you have that first mistake or misstep of your plan? Like, what are you saying to yourself about it? And reflect and plan for the future the next time that happens. So often, if a person is telling themselves a story like, oh, I've screwed it all up. I have to start back at day one. I'm starting over. I've messed up. I'm such a screw up. If you're saying those things to yourself about times where you don't eat the food that you had planned, you overeat, you go out to a restaurant when you weren't planning, all the ways that people would, and I'm putting this in air quotes, mess up, if the story you're telling yourself is like, I've screwed it all up, why can't I just stick with it? If that's the story you're telling yourself, that is the reason you're feeling so inconsistent. If you back off of that and you choose to tell yourself like, okay, so I was going to make um, my dinner at home tonight, but instead I went out with my friends. Um, last minute we went out, I had pizza and I had a couple of beers and I'm way over my calories for today. Um, all right, self, like, let me think, what would I do differently next time? What would I do the same next time? And what can I use in the future when this, this type of event arises again? Maybe what you realize is like, I wouldn't do anything different. Like it was great to spend time with my friends. And now that I've done that on this Thursday evening, um, I'm not going to do that again tomorrow or the next day because that's definitely going to be too many days out of my deficit. But I'm really happy that I spent time with my friends. Or maybe what you're going to say is, you know what? They do this a lot. So maybe it would be helpful for me to suggest something different. Maybe I could suggest like, hey guys, um, maybe we can get together and like go for a walk at the park or go kayaking on the lake, or you could suggest another activity. Maybe that's something as you reflect and you think like, all right, next time, what could I do differently? Or maybe what you would do differently next time is have a different restaurant in mind. And you say like, 
hey, how do you guys feel about going to like XYZ restaurant? And you know there's something there that you can get that is going to fit into your plan. Or maybe you reflect and you're like, you know what? I still would go out with my friends, but what I would do is have a slice of pizza, get a big side salad and not have a beer. Like you have a lot of options. The idea of you, instead of telling yourself the story when you mess up that, okay, this is a part of the practice of becoming a person who eats to support my weight loss. I am practicing that. I'm going to like debrief with myself here and see what would I change? What would I keep the same? How can I keep moving? Because I'm going to keep living life. I'm not in the biggest loser house. I'm in my life. That is one really important piece of this. That's reflection about your behavior. What would you do the same? What would you change? Fundamentally switching your belief that any off-track moment means you are inconsistent is important here. Really looking at this as a shift into I am practicing being a person who moderates how much food she eats, how much alcohol she drinks. I'm practicing being a person who gets in a good amount of movement every day. I'm practicing being a person who gets in workouts multiple times a work a week. I am practicing doing those things. Maybe I'm not fully that person yet, but I am practicing my way there. And practice means I don't have to get it 100% perfect all the time. And then you just keep going. The inconsistency comes when you stop because you're having this mentality of back to day one, I have to start over. That real whole 30 mentality, that real um, like 90 day shred mentality where if you mess up, you are back to day one. And that is just absolute BS. You are not back to day one. You're right where you left off. It's like if you were on a train, imagine you're on a train and the train stops at a station for a while. And you're like, well, I better get off. Like, I, I got to get off. Like, now I'm not moving towards my goal. So now I've screwed it all up. If you just wait a minute, you keep going again. You just keep going. And so I want you to think about your weight loss like that. Just because you stall for a minute because you're not exactly at the speed heading towards your target that you want to go does not mean you're going backwards. You're going to be right where the train stopped and you're just going to pick up from there. I hope that this has helped. Keep me posted. Let me know how it's going. All right, friend, that is our list of questions today. I'm always excited to hear from you, questions you have, talk about them here on the pod. Um, way more in-depth than I can do on like an Instagram story kind of situation. So this is always really fun for me. Um, I will be seeing you next week on the podcast again. We're going to talk about the holiday season. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here. Mm -hmm.